I'm your host, Cyrus Lehman, and welcome to another episode of PM How Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry around the globe. Now, in this episode, we will talk about the importance of storytelling for product teams. Now, Steve Jobs famously once said, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. She's a person who sets the vision, values, and agenda for an entire generation that's to come. Now, telling stories, you know, that you have ideas that you have in an engaging way by using the power of emotional connection and, t- and turning those mundane stories into something cool is what we're talking about. You know, where you're giving a unique personality to a product and focusing on the benefits and just like not the features themselves, right? Now, in order to uh, for us to, you know, know how to go about, the, you know, become a better storyteller, I had a chat with uh, Victor Skrylov. Now, Victor is a VP of product at PureFact, a wealth technology firm based in Toronto, Canada. Now, PureFact has recently been ranked in the top 100 most innovative wealth technology firms globally by WealthTech 100 and is well on its path to take their Canadian success to the new markets such as US and Europe. All right, Victor, uh, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, Victor, I thought maybe you can start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your journey into product management. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a a fairly random career path to product management, and as I think many people do as well. Um, And uh, it makes sense uh, as I reflect more um, on my past experience and how it led me to it. Um, My careers, uh, in my career, I had jobs in market research, uh, management consulting, marketing, um, and only then I got into product management um, at one of the Canada's largest uh, companies. And then I moved to a product leadership role at a tech company that is uh, about 1,300 times smaller. And um, as I look at all these jobs, market research uh, uh, really helped me appreciate the power of empathy and build curiosity toward what humans say and then ultimately do. Management consulting is all about problem solving, problem solving on steroids. You have to quickly define the problem, structure your solution search space, um, and ultimately execute on, on, the, on the search uh, toward that best solution. Marketing helped me get much better at storytelling, stories that can uh, change minds and ultimately get people to act. Um, and then um, one of the leaders I, I truly admire that I had a pleasure to work with, um, her name is Anita, uh, took a chance on me and got me into product, where I first learned more about how to build and deliver products. And then eventually that led to more of the strategy work and uh, leadership roles. And throughout my um, different career um, turns, I always looked for the same things in every job. One was to always make an impact. The second was about learning at an accelerated pace. Third was about getting closer and um, getting closer to understanding more about human behavior. And finally, I always chose jobs where I felt like I was uh, uh, borderline failing. I was nervous about um, succeeding. Um, and as I generally enjoy the struggle. Um, and those, those are the four things that ultimately led me to the product management. 
Very inspiring. Now, uh, tell us a bit about your team right now. I, I believe you're at Pure Facts. Tell us a bit about the team size structure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, quick context on Pure Facts. Uh, Pure Facts is a wealth technology firm based in Toronto, Canada. Uh, we've been around for about 10 years, uh, been quite successful in Canada working with wealth divisions of some of the largest financial institutions, independent broker dealers, as well as uh, high net worth boutique firms. Um, we are about 60 people um, in total, and our objective now for the next few years is to take our Canadian success story into new markets, uh, more specifically US and UK. Right on. Wow. That's that's super exciting. Now, I'm curious to know, Victor, how has COVID affected your business overall? So I, I would say we are quite fortunate to be a business that is fully bootstrapped. We're profitable and we have a product that is mission critical to our client's business. So we've we've managed to um, stay strong, remain strong um, and continue to grow. We certainly saw a slowdown in, in sales activities, uh, but the foundation is solid. Um, and we've, uh, as many other companies, had to ultimately go through understanding of what it looks like to work fully remotely. Um, it comes with its challenges. Um, it's uh, certainly something that is not unique to us. Um, everybody had to go through it. But other than that, we've been quite fortunate to be in the, in the strong position we are at. Awesome. Now, now, Steve Jobs, uh, Victor once said, the most powerful person in the world is the storyteller. And that's the person who sets the vision, values and agenda for an entire generation that's to come. Now, what's your take on this? Um, I, I don't know about being the most powerful person, but it's certainly incredibly powerful to be an effective storyteller. Um, stories uh, truly move people. They, they can help them rethink what they already know or believe in. They help ultimately get them to act um, in the way they may have not if they haven't heard that story. So I, I do believe storytelling is incredibly powerful and it's, it's, inc it's incredibly powerful both in business as well as in your community life and, and um, ultimately on, on your path to uh, building a better world. Right. And I, yeah, it's totally right. And, you know, stories, uh, you know, as a way of engaging people and, you know, creating these compelling narratives, it, it goes back, you know, in the beginning of the time. So no doubt about that. Now, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm also excited where it's going, uh, Victor. So what's your approach when it comes to storytelling? Um, so ultimately, you got to know your audience and you got to know your message. Um, you, 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 I always start with understanding what I'm trying to achieve out of that interaction, out of that story. And I, and I know that I have to tell it in a way that um, ultimately connects with, with my audience. Um, the next part is really about, um, I, I use a tool, uh, which is uh, no, no trick tools here. I, I write my story down. And um, writing the story down helps me really think it through. Um, because usually once I've done writing my first pass at the story, I reread it and uh, I look at it and I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to even listen to myself telling that story. That, that's terrible. 
Um, and then I go through iterations. I go through iterations until um, I ultimately get to a place where I feel like the story has uh, a very good core message. It's clear, it's concise. Um, it connects with ultimately what the audience um, is expecting from you. And um, it is, it is um, uh, impactful. So I can achieve, I feel like confident about achieving my ultimate goal, whether it's to raise awareness or get people to act or change their mind, whatever it might be. Um, so that's kind of the, the simple three steps. Uh, know your audience, know your message, and um, help process the story or write the story, craft the story using just simple writing. No, I love that. And especially like how you take this iterative approach to it, just like, you know, product development that, that we do in agile world, you pretty much you're taking the, the same approach to it, but uh, obviously by setting up, like I mentioned, the, the goal, the message and how you're going to about to uh, basically convey that, that's, that's pretty awesome. Now, does it, uh, so does your approach, I'm assuming, does it change, uh, you know, when you're talking, when your audience is your, you know, internal stakeholders, versus, you know, your customers? Um, I, I don't know if the approach necessarily changes. What changes is your audience and, and your core message will ultimately change. And that's what's driving your story again. Um, what I do find um, very interesting is in your conversation with customer, whether you're telling them a story or not, is to switch the roles in the process. Get them to tell you the story, the story of how they bought your product or why they renewed or how they're using it, what impact it has on their daily life, uh, what impact it has on their own clients if it's in a B2B space um, and so on. So in, in the customer context, you sometimes are playing the role of both the storyteller as well as somebody who's extracting the stories from others. And that's probably a bit quite, quite unique in the, in the customer sense. Um, internally, it ha could happen as well, especially if you're working with partners that are um, have uh, are, are closest to the inside that you're not easily observing. Whether it's your client success teams, your sales teams, your support teams, anybody who's interacting with your with your customer, um, ultimately have a story to share, um, and those stories are incredibly valuable. Now, what are some companies that you admire when it comes to you know to brand stories and how they approach it? Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to sound cliche, but just because we've we've seen more recently um, um, an incredible growth from one of our Canadian success stories like Shopify, um, which has been just, you know, an incredible story that started off. Um, I, I remember listening to, uh, to the founder at Collision last year when events were still in fashion um, and uh, he was telling a story from his stage of how he started the company and where it is today in a way that was probably one of the most humble ways you could tell the story. It, it sounded more like, hey, I started a snowboard shop. I needed to sell snowboards online. So I built this thing. Somehow I became a billion dollar company. And um, th that story was um, so um, down to earth, right? It was... It was always grounded. The whole story of the company has always been grounded in helping entrepreneurs do exactly that, right? So 
build your, start your business, make it very easy to start your business um, and ultimately succeed as an entrepreneur. And because that story was so strong, it led Shopify into a variety of different uh, business decisions, um, which helped them build this incredible success story in Canada. And what always stayed true is that story, that story that moved them, that story that helped um, a lot of firms in this difficult time uh, move to and start, in some cases, brand new online channel, sales channels. Um, Shopify has helped uh, move and, and keep a lot of these businesses uh, in business because of their origin story. Yeah, I, I remember actually listening to uh, Shopify's founder, Toby Lutsky, on, on a podcast, and it was sharing this story. Uh, su super inspiring how they came up to be and how they got started. Um, okay, so so how, how does the importance of storytelling, you know, changes, you know, for remote product teams? You know, teams are remote right now, and how has it changed the the, the, the whole kind of like approach? Um, so I think there's there's two aspects that everybody should keep in mind. One is that um, in the remote type environment, um, not just for product teams but any team. Storytelling, I think, becomes even more important um, because we miss those impromptu connection points that you typically would have um, in an office, whether it's a water cooler talk or you bumped somebody, bumped into someone in the hallway. And you need to become a lot more purposeful or intentional in creating opportunities to have that type of a exchange of ideas or stories. Um, so that's certainly something that um, everybody should keep in mind. Um, but the second part, uh, second aspect um, is uh, really about the, the delivery of the story. So th there, there was some stat in the past that basically says that 80% of your communication um, is in your body language, your, your facial expression, your eye contact, and, and things like that. And then the rest of it, the, the message itself, is only about 20%. Um, and it certainly uh, becomes challenging when you're in a remote uh, type environment. And thankfully, most people uh, use cameras these days, so you could see their face at least. Um, it does create, however, barriers. So people who tell stories or people in general who are, who are communicating with others uh, remotely need to be very thoughtful of um, how to engage with their audience, um, particularly the ones that are the quiet ones in, in the meeting. Um, and engaged, your, your story probably will uh, be a bit, a, a lot less of a monologue and a more and more a conversation, a discussion, um, a story where you, you're trying to bring different parts of your audience into the story throughout the, your communication, throughout your meeting. Um, to help keep them engaged um, in the, in that in that story. Right on, yeah, you're definitely right. You know, you don't have that hallway banter, uh, you know, anymore when you're remote, and it, that that definitely adds up to the challenge. But those tips are uh, really helpful. Now, why do you think uh, you know storytelling sends the wrong impression in some of the product managers' minds who are more kind of like fans of number crunching and spreadsheets? Um, so, so it's probably, the, you know, the honest answer is, I, I don't know, uh, but it's probably you're talking about product managers that uh, generally maybe not yet at the product leader level, um, because generally you don't become a product leader unless you're really good at storytelling. 
Um, and what I think the, the good way to remind them that uh, data um, and numbers have a story. Um, and that story is, 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 the, is what's powerful about the data that you're surfacing to uh, your teams. Um, I think um, I, I always remember um, what, one of the professors in my undergrad, I took a economics, I did an economics degree at uh, York University um, in Toronto, um, and he was teaching economics, and we were talking about a very mathematical concept, demand supply, um, the classic, uh, classic idea, right? Um, and then we talk about things uh, that are called supply shocks, which is basically your supply curve moves to the left or to the right and so on. So in our case, the supply curve moved to the left. Um, and um, he asked the question about what does this mean? And of course, all the number crunchers uh, calculated what it means in terms of the new price and the new quantity you're going to create um, as an equilibrium in the market. Um, and then he kind of paused and he said, well, what really happened is there's probably thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who, who lost their jobs mm -hmm. because that curve just shifted to the left. And um, I think it was a really powerful moment for a lot of people who see the numbers as, as the only truth to understand that these numbers represent a much larger story behind the scenes that is far, probably far more impactful than what the number really means. No, I love that. That makes perfect sense now. So, I mean, now let's say you want to, I want to become a better storyteller, Victor. Where should I start? Um, so I think the first one is uh, forget about whether you're a good storyteller or a bad storyteller. That's not a very helpful thought, but I know many people start there. Um, so uh, forget about it. Uh, then the second part is figure out who you're talking to or will be telling that story and try to empathize with them. So what is their story? Um, if you're, if it, you're in the business context, you know, let's say, you know, the most common friction points, if you want to call them that, uh, in the product manager's life are usually with client success teams, sales teams, uh, support teams, and, and so on. You know, clients want a feature, my customers want a feature, um, and uh, that's what I want from you as, as a product team. So understanding that they're not asking for that feature just because uh, it's fun uh, to, to ask for something. Um, they have their own uh, motivations. They have their own story. Uh, they are always trying to do the best they can um, in, in their job. So you need to have an appreciation for where they come from and um, what they're trying to achieve as, as, uh, as people and, and in their roles. Um, the next part is, again, what's your, what's your, what's your message? So stay, stay true to the core message. Um, and, and that core message could be one idea you want them to believe in, uh, the thing you, you want them to do, um, or maybe it's just something that they should be aware of. Right. So that's the core message. Um, and then ultimately write it down, write that core message down and then start to write the story. Um, and in some cases, the story is going to 
uh, help you refine your core message or maybe in some cases even change your core message because you start to realize this that wasn't the core message in the first place. There's just something that I thought was a core message. But when I start to connect uh, the story to the audience, that's not the core message at all, right? So the feature that they might be asking for uh, is not the point. The point is that the client is unhappy. And if the client is unhappy, you need to understand why they're unhappy um, and help solve that problem. So it's not a feature story. The story is how to help the client. Um, so those are, those are the three very basic steps, right? So again, uh, forget about whether you're good or bad at storytelling. Just get right into it. Understand your audience. What's your core message? Refine your story through writing. And you don't need to use your writing as, as a script, right? That's not the purpose of it. The, the, the purpose of writing is to process the story. It's just like comedians, right? Comedians write a joke and then they go test it on the stage uh, several times, usually in small clubs, uh, before they really put up a, a big show. Um, so similar idea here. Write it down. It helps you iterate, refine it. Um, and then ultimately, you're going to go and tell that story and see how it works. Did it make the impact you you really was hoping for? Mm. No, I love that. I love how you broke it down to the simple steps and kind of easy to follow. Now it's much more clear, uh, you know, when I think about and I love actually how you started. Just like stop thinking that you're not a good uh, storyteller. I remember once when I was trying to learn English. My, my prof at the time told me like, you know, just stop thinking that you're not good at speaking English. That was the first thing you should do. So it's funny how you also say the same thing about storytelling. Absolutely. And, and you always know that there's a simple concept that if you're just 1% uh, better at something every day, uh, you will be uh, far better by the end of the year. That's true. That's true. That's the, uh, that's the uh, what do you call it? The compound effect that happens, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, Right on. So now, Victor, thanks for that. Now, what are some resources that you recommend our listeners to check out, uh, you know, in, around the field and area of storytelling? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, th I think we all know that a great resource is, is TED, both the talks, plus they have the, their own TED speaker guide that they publish. Uh, uh, TED is really great at um, uh, helping people communicate ideas. Uh, uh, that are very powerful, impactful. We all heard a bunch of TED Talks that were probably very memorable, something we, we retell those stories to others. Um, I think that's always a great choice and it's always a free one. So um, you, you get to learn a lot. Um, the other thing, the other book that I, I really like to read um, that um, if you read it first, it, it is about culture, both business culture and how to, how to form a culture by Ben Horowitz, which is called What You Do Is Who You Are, um, which is a fantastic book. Um, but once you've read it for the content, the message that they, it has, reread it from a, from a point of view of a storytelling. Because what Ben is doing in this book is really incredible because he, he's telling you a story of Chinggis Khan who was probably, you know, in the history of humankind, was one of the worst people in the world because he, he created a lot of damage, let's just say that. But he's telling that story to tell you that um, Chinggis Khan was one of the most inclusive leaders you can think of. And how can you use um, his ways of approaching inclusiveness um, to help your business in the business context? Um, you would never think that the story of Chinggis Khan is about inclusivity, 
uh, for our today's world. So um, it is really powerful. It is really powerful in how he's telling those stories and connecting uh, and totally non-business examples and stories to a business context um, to help people see um, something they didn't see before. So mm. those two would be my go-to. I don't thank, Thanks for sharing that. And actually, it also reminds me, I was recently watching The Last Dance, you know, on, on Michael Jordan. And before watching it, I uh, never thought there's going to be so much, you know, team leadership lessons in it. Because I just thought, you know, he's the, he's the best and he's just going to like show how he was the best. And that's all about it. But after I watched it, you know, and had that kind of that put a lens of like, you know, the way they're showing his leadership style. I, I took a lot, you know, from it, from that lens that I never thought I will be, right? So uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great show. And I think we also have um, an incredible story really close to home, uh, the Raptors story, um, which, which is quite different than from, from, um, uh, from Michael Jordan's story because uh, Bulls were built, the team was built around Michael Jordan. It was, it was built around one uh, incredible player. Whereas Raptors was was a great story of where, um, you know, some people might hate me for saying that, but more or less ordinary players were able to create something absolutely extraordinary as a team. Um, and, and I think that's also an incredible story for sure. Right. I know. I, I agree with you on that 100%. Uh, cool. So, uh, Victor, what's what's next, you know, for you and your team at the Pure Facts? Yeah, well, I think our work is is cut out for the next three to five years. We got to take this Canadian success story and make it successful in the new markets, U.S. and U.K., so we can truly be um, a global success story and help um, uh, you know ultimately people around the world uh, through a very meaningful wealth advice live their best lives. That's that's really our mission, um, and we hope to take it outside of Canada to uh, to achieve as well. No, I love how clear you are on your goal. That's that's super, super uh, interesting. That just simply put it that like that. Now, uh, I mean, last question. You know, it could be a fun question if you see it that way. But what are some quarantine tips? You know, if you like to share any. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't know if it's a really fun tip, but um, what 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 quarantine uh, quarantine really helped us do is. Um, rethink this this idea of the work-life balance um we've heard it before that there is no work-life balance it's really about the synergy some people used other words um our, our uh, founder rob Maddich, always says there's no such thing as work-life balance there's just life and you get to choose how you spend it so um i i think what this environment helped us do is understand when is the time to work when is the time to uh spend with the family, with your kids, uh, when it's time to do some community work. There are some incredible things that were started uh, during COVID-19, things like uh, the global hack and things like that. People were just sitting at home, but they were hacking away, creating really impactful solutions for, for the world, uh, really changing the world. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, I look back at my, my routines uh, back in, you know, January, February, when the life was different. Anywhere between 10 to 15 hours a week commuting. Uh, now I got my 10 to 15 hours back and I get to do what I 
always wanted to all the all, all the excuses you always create for yourself around you know can't spend time um thinking about my health or can't spend time with my family can't do potentially some work can do some learning um so uh it it really helped reset the the frame um of reference for time and in the concept of a work-life balance right on that's that's uh, that's thanks for sharing that and victor uh, thanks for being uh, with us today and, you know, sharing your thoughts on the importance of storytelling for product teams. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's session with uh, Victor Skrylov on um, the importance of storytelling for remote product teams. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at, at PMHubTO. And until next time, stay safe and healthy.